Hello and welcome back to the Trinity League Football Podcast. I'm Dan Albano with the Orange County Register and OCVarsity.com and you have found our show on Monday, October 8th, 2018 and it is a big week in Trinity League football. I'm joined once again by our insider, Scott Barajas and Scotty, we got another national game. Uh, this Trinity League will be center stage this week and how you doing on this uh this uh, fine Monday night as we're working our way toward week eight. I'm Dan. I'm good, Dan. Um, you know, uh, just uh, breaking down more games uh, for everybody. Uh, I know you took the week off, so uh, I know we're going to have to bring you up to speed on some action yes. this week. Uh, um, but as expected, you know, two out of the three games, the outcomes had running clocks. One had a bizarre uh uh, bizarre ending or not an ending but it was pretty bizarre uh, some mind-boggling plays and breakdowns which you'll we'll get to um, this is all leading up to this week's huge set of games you know starting with the ever entertaining you know modern day Bosco matchup uh, then we got the Olu Jay Sarah battling it out you know the jockey probably into that second spot you know and we have Survey Santa Margarita rounding out the fight to stay winless uh, from the bottom <laughs> and that and that Thursday night game is going to be huge I think for some playoff ramifications, potentially. Some new developments have uh, come out just today. It's been an eventful day, like always. Uh, sometimes there's some things that really go down on Monday in OC football. And dare I use that uh, that scary word, forfeit. But there, it didn't involve modern day. It was another school, which starts with an M. And we will get to that one um, shortly. But there's been some uh, OC and Division One football news that's uh, broken today. But uh, for Scotty and I, I want to welcome all our uh, listeners back to the program. We're going to have our recaps from the games uh, just this uh, past Friday, and we're going to be previewing the uh, games this week. We have one Thursday game, two on Friday, so this is uh, going to be October 11th and 12th. So we're going to have our recaps, grades, players of the week, and then we are going to be doing our previews, and we will be ending our and capping our interview, our previews with a look at the modern day St. John Bosco uh, tilt, which uh, by you know Max Prep's account is the number one and number two ranked teams in the country, hooking up Friday at St. Anna Stadium at 7:30, and we'll have some uh, more details on that game. We're gonna have a we'll have a little brief um, update on how the freshman teams are doing and some of the freshman teams to watch. And I want to uh, and we also want to welcome uh, have you. Uh, you know, encourage you to um, visit us and listen to us next week because we will start to preview those Division One playoffs. We'll be in going toward Week Nine. We have two weeks left in the regular season, and we will start to having breakdown. But you're going to start to hear some of that talk today um, as as Scotty and I um, preview these uh, these games. And uh, and then any new listeners, we want to welcome you as well. And Scotty and I are working hard to give you some inside. And and a real close, uh, detailed look at some of the things uh, that are going on in the uh, Trinity League trends, previews, and some players to watch. So, Scotty, let's uh, let's kick this thing off tonight, and um, let's review the St. John Bosco game against Orange Lutheran. It was Bosco sixty-three to twenty-eight over an injury-depleted uh, Orange Lutheran team that was, you know, like we said has been uh, besieged by injuries. This victory moved St. John Bosco to 2-0 and and 7-0 and uh, overall. It was highlighted by three kickoff returns for touchdowns. 
um, including two by the same player. I'm sure you'll be talking about him. And, um, you know, know, so there was great special teams, but another high-scoring affair. And it it took the Braves some time to put away the the Lancers, uh, who were able to put up some points uh, thanks to Thanks to Ryan Helensky. But, Scotty, what was your take on this game? Yeah, so coming into this one, you know, Olu was already playing shorthanded. Uh, they were missing up to 10 starters. No Kyle Ford, no Zach Brogdon, no KJ Cachujillo, no Reggie Strong, and they were missing three starting offensive linemen. So, and, but even being shorthanded, um, you you still want to win the big games, and you can't get outcoached, and you can't have multiple breakdowns. And um, as many... Uh, would have to believe, believe it or not, Olu was still in the ball game in midway through the third quarter, even with all of these, uh, with all these breakdowns and uh, missing players. But basically, it also came down to uh, Orange Luther just ran out of gas. But the, the story of the night was the three kickoff returns for scores uh, by Bosco. You know, two by Hudson and one by Tyus Poyer. In the first one, Hudson tied the score up seven seven, but the next two have you with scratching your head and i say that because there was 229 left before the half olu converts two fourth and ones and on their second fourth down attempt they went deep to jojo hawkins 443 yard touchdown to tie the score up 21 21 so then olu goes for a pooch kick thinking you know okay we don't want to kick it off deep so they go for the pooch kick but tyce porter returns it for the score to close out the half so the boss goes up 28 21 Okay. Next opening kickoff, Bosco receives the opening kickoff. Olu, who couldn't get the ball into the end zone all night, elects to kick it deep. Hudson takes it back for the score again. So Bosco up 35-21 without having to lose any time off the clock, just like that. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Three kickoffs for scores. <laughs> you know, and then besides their kicking troubles, you know, the coverage team didn't help out. Um, and they didn't have enough speed or athletes to cover the kicks, and that was pretty obvious. But like I said, despite all the breakdowns, Olu was still in the ballgame because the Lanchers kept marching down the field. They couldn't convert another fourth down play with Helensky hitting Logan Loy on a slant that was almost picked off by Raymond Goforth. And actually, the ball got tipped and Logan was able to concentrate and haul in the catch. So, you know, Olu cuts the lead down 35 28 at the 7 43 mark in the uh, third quarter. But that would be it for Olu um, because they wouldn't score anymore. You know, but the kicking woes kind of still continued because on the ensuing kickoff, they went for an onside kick. Instead of a squib or just kick it out of bounds, you know, Bosco recovers it at midfield. So they get the short field, and the Braves march down, and DJ hits uh, Chris Huston for a nice over-the-shoulder shoulder catch for the score. Bosco up really quick again, 42-28. You know, and then that was it for Olu because the next – the next series, Olu had been methodically moving the ball, yeah. whether it be passing and running. But on this next series, you could see it. They just simply ran out of gas. Um, multiple players started cramping up, both running backs. Um, you know, Travis Vanderhill, you know, in hand his backup, two couple of linemen, you know, and then same said that, you know, said the same for the defense, you know, as Hud- Hudson hauled in another pass um, from DJ, which you know, his fourth touchdown overall in the night. And then Bosco would have two more fourth quarter touchdowns, uh, both by Helani, a 10-yard pass and a 40-yard run, which Olu defenders actually had Helani wrapped up 
three times and Holani broke all three tackles on, you know, the way to the score. And then that put him up 63-28. You know, it was a valiant effort by Olu playing without their key guys. But, yeah. you know, Bosco also capitalized on those breakdowns and took what Olu gave them. Because DJ was more efficient than spectacular. Um, even if you just look at his stat line, completing 27, 22 out of 27 for 261 and three touchdowns. But BJ basically, you know, hit on a lot of 10-yard hitches and a five-yard, 10-yard slants. Um, he didn't do a whole lot of deep balls except for the one fade over-the-shoulder touchdown catch to Hudson. And, um, you know, Helensky kept in Olu and as long as he could, you know, finishing 25 of 41, 264, three touchdowns. He was picked twice. He was hurried a lot. He was only sacked two times, but it was a running game, believe it or not, that was kind of efficient, you know, with Travis Vanderhill, who had Olu's probably longest run of the season against the Brave defense. And and he finished with 78 yards rushing, and he was kind of getting five to six consistently, and then they would mix it in with the pass. So, you know, Olu was there. It's just, it was just a tough defeat um, for the Lancers, you know, for what they've had to go through and endure. But like I said, they were right there. Yeah, and it's it's Cooper uh, Vanderhill, um, and he uh, he is that's uh, all right, and he yeah you know he runs hard, and I think uh, you know he was you know with some of the balance, uh, you know teams are going to be gearing up to stop Helensky. I think there's going to be some opportunities for him. Sounds like the O you know O line uh, that shorthanded O line for the Lancers did all right. It was obviously the special teams, and yeah, it's uh, it was not a not 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 a good look. Uh, and, you know, for the Lancers, when you have that kind of, uh, you know, three touchdown return, you know, returns on kickoffs. I mean, well, I've never seen that before. And I've never really even heard of that, that many happening. Uh, the Braves, uh, you know, did have to over overcome uh, 100 yards and penalties. And uh, they lost that one touchdown to an offensive face mask. And then I read that uh, DJ, um, you know, misfired on, on a, a wide open uh, Jake Bailey in the end zone. So they could have, who knows how many points, uh, you know, the, the Braves could have scored. They could have, sounds like they could have even put up 70, uh, Scotty, no problem here. A couple misses, um, but, uh, and then give it up for the USC bound, uh, Chris Hudson, who's a USC commit, um, obviously played uh, a great game. Yeah. You know, you know, I think DJ, you know, like I said, those five of those incompletes, I think, you know, two were overthrowns in the end zone. I think. Two, one was a sack or or hurry two or hurries, but you know other than those two, you know you could have added those, you know probably two scores if you would if you would uh, you know nailed those completions. Um, and you know, like I said, Hudson's deadly on the on the you know kickoffs. So It'll be interesting like this week what Modern Day ends up trying to do. I know they have uh, Lopez pretty much puts most of the ball yeah. in the end zone, so um, it might that might get taken away but you never know there always be that one that doesn't get in the end zone so that's something to watch for yeah modern day has been pretty good on the special teams they've used some of their um you know outstanding uh, depth and young uh you know uh, secondary players um guys like jackson and hunter have uh, made some big tackles um and company on um special teams you know, and, and one dubious uh, note for the Lancers, you know, their defense, now that they gave up all those points, they have now allowed the most points of any teams in the Trinity League, and opponents are now averaging 31.7 points per game against the Lancers on the season, and that's actually a few ticks higher than Santa Margarita. And we talk so much about Santa Margarita's defense 
here on the Trinity League Football Podcast. Scotty, let's talk about the next game. Modern Day, 49-7 to victories, victory against Orn, against Santa Margarita. 49-7 for Modern Day. It uh, improves Modern Day to 2-0 league state and you know that tie for first place with Bosco. On the field, Modern Day 7-0. Of course, they have the one uh, forfeit. They're 6-1 overall officially. This was game was uh, you know, done. Modern Day put them away early. Again, the running clock in the third quarters. Um, both teams agreed to that running clock in the third quarter, so that's why it was implemented. Bryce Young, very efficient. Again, uh, threw two touchdowns to Brew McCoy. I think he threw two to Michael uh, Martinez, um, UCLA bound. Uh, committed tight end, who's having a having a pretty nice year. That was good to see uh, Big Mike bouncing back. Um, he's been quiet a little bit, but he's going to be a valuable weapon for him. Jacoby Harper, another solid game. Um, two rushing touchdowns. And, uh, you know, the modern-day defense got some uh, lock up, lockdown defense from um, their secondary course. And uh, Elias Ricks uh, did a great job against Chase Nenad, uh, maybe the top receiver at Santa Margarita, most likely. So, And then for the Eagles, it drops them to 0-2. Uh, two and five, they're they're in a little bit of they're in a spin, um, you know, because they lost the heartbreaker the week before to uh, to Orange Luther on the on the last play of the game, the field goal by Logan Loya. They lost the previous week. Um, well, actually, they, they they had their bye, but two weeks before that, they lost to Orm in a close game, five pointer, fifty one forty six. So the Eagles have lost three in a row. What was your take on this game, Scotty? Yeah, so, you know, Modern Day uh, continued its march through uh, Trinity League the same, you know, fashion they've been doing all season, playing with its second consecutive third quarter running clock, as you mentioned. Yeah, starters playing only in the first half. But for that first drive, Santa Margarita actually made it interesting as they picked up three first downs on that drive. But that would be the only sustaining drive of the night. Um, And if not for the 43-yard touchdown pass where – Two modern-day defenders kind of took each other out. Modern Day's looking at its fifth shutout of the season. So if, on a third and long, Jake Ebock kind of catches a mid-range slant, and Jalen Davies is making a tackle, and Jeremiah comes up, Cordell comes up to assist, but he kind of takes out Davies in the process, so allowing Ebock to break loose of the tackle, and he goes untouched to the end zone. And, um, and that's all modern Day would allow. Um, you know, the defense held Caselli to 48 48 yard uh, percent passing for 191 yards and 80 of it came on two plays um there was another long uh, 40 yard catch and you know so 80 of it was on the two plays and then they sacked them six times and they limited the eagles to 48 yards rushing and modern day didn't get any interceptions but they were close on numerous passes um as darian warren green you know should have had two picked picks on the night he made two plays on the ball um but he he didn't you know he didn't bring in the ball but it was still you know a nice play defense and then elias ricks matched up with chase needad all night and he limited him to 69 yards on eight catches as everything he called was short yardage when he did catch it his longest game of the night was 12 yards and then Ninon was targeted at a 16 of Caselli's 29 attempts. Wow. So they kept trying to, you know, they were working, you know, they weren't afraid of Ricks, and they, so they kept trying to, you know, go after him, but um, he wasn't successful, you know, that much on the night. So, um, and then six different modern-day players registered sacks, 
Yeah. And it's something to keep an eye on. And um, Modern Day may have found another key pass rusher with sophomore linebacker Rajon Davis. Davis. Because Modern Day was out steel without Steel Dubar. He was sick all week, so he didn't play. And uh, so Modern Day used the rotational linebackers. And uh, Davis only picked up four tackles, but he had a sack and a half. And he put constant pressure when he was in there. And he also had to play defensive player of the night coming off the edge. And instead of blindsiding the quarterback, whereas most people, most guys probably would do, he actually took the ball from Caselli's hand. throwing. He was getting ready to throw the ball, and he just took it off of his hand. So it was kind of a pretty savvy play. He gets he gets credit for the sack, fumble, and fumble recovery at the same time. Um, and um, so that was nice to see for them. And then offensively, modern day continued to roll. Bryce Young was efficient again, hitting on 11 of 14, 283, four touchdowns, including a 75-yard bomb to Brew McCoy. Yeah. McCoy only caught three balls for 109. He had two TDs. And then four of seven's modern day scoring drives were less than 45 seconds. So two were at a minute and 20 on the clock. And then the longest drive of the night was four minutes and 51 seconds. And um, modern day running game didn't put huge numbers up, but Harper and dollars, you know, only carried the ball eight times between the two, but they made most of their runs. Um, The offensive play of the night wasn't Bruce 75 yarder, but it was Jacoby's 43 yard touchdown where, where, where Harper kind of broke out of the pack of tackles, which he appeared to be going down, but somehow he kept his balance sliding off the pile and everyone thought he was down. No whistle was blown, and he kept going and um, scored the touchdown. And it was kind of a, you know, when you watch the replay, because he was like, oh, his knee and elbow are almost down, but he never hits the ground. And, you know, he, you know, most guys would have stopped playing, but the refs, you know, didn't blow the whistle. So it was a great hustle play on his part. And then nice. dollars, added, dollars added a 14-yard touchdown run, um, which should be used as a clinic for younger running backs on how to use your blockers, when to hit the hole. Um, you know, you'd have to you'd have to watch the replay to kind of appreciate you know just the 14 yard uh, run. Um, but then on a somber note, Santa Margarita lost their leading tackler Connor Burke, who went down with a knee injury on a Bryce Young scramble because he was trying to plant and cut back an attempt to tackle Young, and he was kind of taken out by his own player. And um, I happened to be walking up the ramp when at the end of the game, um, and Burke was on crutches with his knee mobilized. And he mentioned uh, that he thinks that's uh, ACL. So um, that's a big blow off for them. And uh, that was on top of the Eagles missing leading rusher, Jake Thomas, who didn't play in that one either. Yeah. Awesome. That is some tough news for the Eagles who uh, need every man they have, especially on uh, on defense. You know, Harper and Dollars, you know, continue to be quite the, the shake and bake duo as they, uh, they were dubbed and uh, they liked that nickname. Uh, fan earlier this season, uh, you know, dubbed them shake and bake. But Harper now 546 yards on the season for six and with six rushing touchdowns, and Dollars 300 yards rushing, seven uh, touchdowns rushing. So that's almost 900 yards and 13 touchdowns. So that ground attack uh, has been excellent. The, you know, um, Monarchs have run for 1,200 yards and passed for 1,800 yards. So a little bit more pass dominated. Um, and then uh, that the depth you point out, uh, Scotty, and, and and you know at linebacker for modern day continues to impress. You know because you know in, in the new stars it continue to impress. Where you have Mo, Moses uh, Sepalona is their leading tackler now, uh, junior at linebacker. He wasn't a big name coming in uh, to the season. I didn't have him on my hot one fifty, 
Um, but he's been a hard hitter, number 28 for for modern day. He was our leading tackler against Santa Margarita with about seven tackles. You mentioned Steele du, uh, 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 Dubar, who's you know sick, so that's why he's fallen a little bit on the stats. But then, then you're we're watching you know the transition develop development uh, development of another uh, uh, junior, Jacoba Fuamatu, who's been steady, um, does have three and a half sacks, and you know is, is transitioning as a La Habra um, transfer. And then you're mentioning you know another guy in, in Davis. I mean. And, and this is all from a unit that, you know, doesn't have Mace Funa because he's out for yeah. the year with the in, in the injury. Yeah, exactly. And that's how they were all going to have to kind of pick up the slack, you know, for Funa. And that, that's the one thing they missed. That's the one thing I would say is that they miss is his big play ability, being able to – he takes away so much ground, um, you know, in, in, in his rush. That's why I said it, it's a huge if, if Rajon Davis can – you know, pick up that slack because other than Brew, they didn't have anybody else. I know they've been trying to play Big Mike in there, and he has like four or five batted balls. Yeah, and that's all he's pretty much good for. You get that, you takes that passing lane away. But, um, but I think Davis um, is is something to, to kind of keep an eye out for uh, as we uh, progress. Yeah, and and Martinez is he's an imposing kid on offense, and he's probably even a little bit more imposing on defense because he plays on the edge. Obviously, he's a tight end. He can run, and he's a big guy. So that that's and I remember I noticed that at the uh, the Bishop Gorman game earlier that Big Mike at tight, uh, using him as DN. That's a good look for the Monarchs because he's he's an athletic, imposing kid, and he can run well and uh, he's aggressive. Um, last uh, last game to review, and we thank you for again joining us here on our Trinity League football podcast last week. Uh, last game to review. Before we get to our uh, grades and players of the week, Jay Sarah, 49-6 to over Servite. This victory uh, got Jay Sarah back in the win column. They're 1-1 one one in the, the league, and they are 6-1. The loss uh, dropped Servite to 0-2, 3-3 overall. Um, the Friars are on, like we said, a, a little bit of a slide. Um, you know, they, they lost the uh, Villa Park game, uh, you know, their last game. Um, going into their second bye of the season. They lost that one 28-14. Then they lost to Modern Day after the bye, 35-zip. And then they lost to Jay Sarah here on the road, 49-6. So 20 points in three games, like we've talked about. Monarchs, uh, excuse me, Friars having a hard time scoring um, right now, uh, which is tough in the, in all the, in the high-powered training league. Uh, Friars averaging a, a league-low 17.6 points um on the season offensively uh giving up uh 27 and 0.3 flip side jay sarah got their mojo back 49 points um that's been a pretty uh familiar number that's how many they scored against corona del mar that's how much they scored against calabasas they pretty much scored that against faith lutheran with 50 points in that game so they kind of hit their mark and yeah it was they played uh the lions played uh, just like they played against Corona Del Mar, dominant home victory, took care of business. What was your take on this game, Scotty? Yeah, for Jay Sarum, you know, it's kind of an opportunity to work and kind of refine its passing game, and uh, that's kind of what they did. Um, for Servite, yeah, it was their second consecutive running clock, except for this one didn't start until the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Caden Bell kind of, you know, had his way with the Servite secondary for 266. Uh, five touchdowns, no picks on 14 to 16 passing. 
Um, he spread it around, hitting Tarek Luckett, Munal McLean, and Tyler Shimamura four times each. And it was Munal McLean's, you know, catching you know two touchdowns in the first half, and then Tarek Luckett had one in each half. And each receiver had a had a pretty darn good highlight catch. Um, you know, McLean took a screen, broke tackles for a 38-yard score, and then Luckett had a 36-yard post, and then turned a short pass. Uh, for a 26-yard touchdown, breaking like the initial tackle. And then Shimamura had a nice jumping, contorting catch in the back of the end zone. Um, you know, so they kind of put their, their their playmaking ability on display. And then Jay Sarah usually relies on their running game, didn't put their usual numbers up. You know, Street ran for a team-high 77 yards on 13 carries. And he added a 14-yard score. Um, defensively, Jay Sarah was was 30 seconds away from recording its first shutout of the season and they must have wanted it really bad because the starters were being shuffled back into the game and specifically Luckett um, went back in a corner when Servi began moving the ball into the scoring territory and even with the running clock Jay Sarah had about five defensive starters and its offensive linemen in with like five minutes left in the game which kind of didn't I don't get it it didn't make any sense um you know if those guys get hurt what happens you know and I don't know if it had anything to do with uh with uh head coach Pat Harlow not coaching that night um he was not coaching that that night uh assistant coach Scott McKnight was and then I think it was it was announced um that he wasn't before the game that he was going to be coaching due to a non-emergency issue. So we have to look to see if he's how, you know, if he's okay. Um, but they still didn't miss a beat as a team, you know, except for having their, their starters lit in late the game. Um, you know, Servi was looking for some offense punch again and they played Cade Fuller and Noah Avenger both ways for most of the game. And I think that's the first time that I've seen them play as much as they did um, offensively. And then, um, you know, Blaze McKibben was picked off twice, once from Luckett and a pick six from uh, Foreman Hagen in the first half. And then he did get his one touchdown pass, like, on the last play of the game to, I think, Andrew Abara. So, um, you know, valiant effort for, for, for the Friars. Well, I'm sure, yeah, they didn't want to get shut out uh, two weeks in a row in the Trina League. That would have stung. Um but, you know, obviously a big night for Caden Bell, a former uh, Servite um, quarterback. So he he uh, took it to his old school, uh, Columbia-bound uh, senior. He uh, Caden was the backup, uh, kind of split time with uh, T.J. McMahon last year. And, and Caden's been a breakout uh, performer this year and had one of his best games, like you said, Scotty. And uh, Hagen Foreman, uh, transfer from Pacifica, senior, also plays baseball, Jay Sarah. Um, helping out with the um, helping out with the d- defense there, and it's uh, Scotty. Did you uh, did you check out my um, my uh, defensive back rankings uh, I did last week? Did you see I had uh, Luckett up there pretty high, about uh, fourth, I think, on my top um, list of defensive backs so far in 2018. Uh, readers, you can check it out. Uh, you know, uh, check on my uh, Twitter. I've uh, posted it out there. But did you see that list where I had Luckett? I did, and and um, you know he's kind of been I won't say quiet, but he's kind of seems to be that you know he's I think they're picking him to be that lockdown corner when they you know and but I think he's playing more corner these days uh, with the emergence and um, of uh, Moonar McLean. Yeah, uh, I know Luckett's you know he's still because there was a little bit of a lull there where Luckett kind of wasn't catching balls. Um, right. 
but I know he's been playing both ways. They've been shuffling him, and uh, Sammy Green have actually been swapping or kind of been rotating that that corner spot. Um, I think they they moved Samaje Duncan inside to either yeah. outside linebacker right. or um, strong safety. One of the you know depending on what scheme they go. So I think here on out, that's what you're going to see Luckett and uh, uh, Sammy Green playing that other corner spot with Hagen on the other side. So, Yes, yeah, I, I think you're right about the uh, rotations on some of those. So, Well, Scotty, hey, before we uh, say goodbye to Week 7, uh, let's let's uh, circle back um, and do do our grades and players a week. So let's start with that uh, St. John Bosco 63-28 uh, victory. What were your grades and players a week on this one? I gave Bosco a B plus um, on offense, and I gave their defense a B. And I gave Olu a, a B on offense, and the defense a B minus. And for the players of the game, I gave Chris Hudson. He had the four touchdowns. He had the two kickoff returns and the two receiving. And then my defensive play of the game, Raylan Goforth. He had eleven tackles. He was constantly around the ball. He made numerous key stops on third downs had a sack and um so yeah so he gets a defensive player of the game for them oh lou i went i went with josiah hawkins he had eight catches 96 yards two touchdowns i could have easily went with him and loya they kind of held the passing game you know, yeah got the yards after catches on some of those balls um a defensive player of the game this one was kind of tough um no one really stood out. They did Jackson Cloyd had 11 tackles, um, so I gave it to him. But I have to mention um, the two. There's a two backups that played in, filled in. Travis Leguisan. He's a sophomore. He was filling in at safety. He had, he racked up. He had 11 tackles as well. And then Jonah Laban, who's I think a regular starter, he had 11 tackles as well. And uh, and a hurry on DJ. Um, but those are my players of the of the game for Lou. Okay. Well, those are some. Uh, I think those are some good grades. There, good thing we're not uh, grading the special teams yeah. of uh, Orange Lutheran because they would obviously get a failing grade because of the three intercept, you know, interception returns. Excuse me, the three kickoff returns for touchdowns. But we're not doing that. And hey, I'm sure the I'm sure the Lancers are going to obviously focus a lot of that on practice and uh, clean that up uh, as they uh, take on Jay Sarah, who. This week, and I don't know how you know if we'll delve into that deeply, but you know we we talk about the Lancer special teams. Jay Sarah's special teams have been outstanding this year, especially on the kickoff returns. So um, you know that's something to watch out because uh, Sammy Green's been one of those guys uh, returning um, kickoffs. Um, they I I think they've been very good on special teams, uh, which I believe is also the uh, falls into the responsibilities of Coach uh, McKnight. I believe he might be the special teams coach at J. Sarah, you know, and obviously you mentioned him filling in. So um, something to watch there for there. They're going to have to improve that um, very, rather quickly. Wouldn't you say, Scotty, on the, the special teams coverage kickoff? Uh, most definitely. Um, hopefully, like I said, they'll get their guys back. We don't, you know, we'll have to see who, who comes back this week or, you know, or, or how many of them will even come back before the season's over. Um you know, one other thing I noticed is that um, about that referring back to the special teams, you know, Logan Loya has kind of been the guy that, that was doing the kickoffs last year. And I know he came back and kicked that game winning field goal last week. 
and I, it just makes me wonder, you know, why he doesn't he's not doing the kickoffs because um, I've seen him put him in the end zone, and I just haven't seen Olu with their other kickers get the ball in the end zone. So um, I don't know. That's just something I've I've you know watched. There's there's got to be a reason why, but it's just something I've noticed, and I and I don't even notice the lawyers even on the on the kickoff team because usually you have your best athlete as your safety. But um, I, I didn't, didn't notice if he was on it or not. So, well, he might be this week. I know, you know, with some of their injuries, I think he is playing some defense as well. And obviously, he's such a key guy, and he's not the biggest guy in the world as a, you know, kind of a slot receiver on offense. Um, and that's maybe where they're giving him a break, and it just shows maybe that some of their depth. But maybe uh, Josiah's uh, JoJo Hawkins needs to be out there. Um, all hands on deck at that point. Um, whoever can can lend some uh, help to them, uh, they'll take. Um, let's do our re- uh, grades and, and uh, players of the week for the modern day. 49-7 victory over Santa Margarita. I got a feeling that maybe uh, Bryce Young could be one of your guys this week, but uh, he could win it uh, on a few weeks. But what do you have on this one, Scotty? Yeah, so they get the A on offense, A on defense. Santa Margarita gets a C minus on offense, and I gave them, excuse me, the D on defense because they gave up 437 yards of off of offense in the first half. So um, wow, and it's um, a lot of yards. Players of the, <laughs> of the game of Bryce Young, because um, uh, he's been the fifth name. You know, he was at 11 of 14, 283, had the four touchdowns. He had uh, he had 28 yards rushing on three scrambles. Um, in my defensive player of the game, I'm going with Rajon Davis. Nice. He had the four tackles. He had the one and a half sack. Like I said, took the ball from the quarterback, um, and uh, he, he played really well in his time in there. Santa Margarita. I'm going with uh, Jake Ebach. He made the most of his four receptions yeah. for 118 yards and that one touchdown. And then defensive player um, safety Blake. Um, being Nachi, he had six tackles uh, to lead their uh, defense. Yeah, Ebox, I think, is a, is a pretty steady player. He's a senior, and we talked a lot about the Santa Margarita um, receivers. I thought they really impressed me against Orange Lutheran. They were catching everything um, from uh, Peter Costelli that night. What did you think, Scotty, briefly uh, about the receivers? Did you know they were blanketed in a tough secondary? But did they make some catches? Did they have uh, drops or? How did that unit do? Because I, I, they impressed me how they caught everything against uh, Olu. No, I think that's a good statement because they were, um, they didn't catch everything as like you had said. Um, but okay. They did but the the balls that they did catch? I mean, were you know they were great catches. I mean, like Ibaka on that you know that touchdown. He had another uh, third and long, and they hit him for a forty yard fade. Um, and Jalen Davis or the DB was had perfect coverage, and Ebok um, made a. I mean, Caselli put it put it perfectly right there, you know, in the breadbasket, and and uh, he had a nice catch on that one. Um, and then he had, you know, he was getting in space. Um, there was a couple of slants where where he made a couple of catches. Um, but I think, yeah, I have to say both those receivers, you know, you know, were were pretty good. They just. You know, you're going against that secondary, yeah. and so you just you just don't get a lot of of um, breaks. So, um, 
Well, and I and I and thanks uh, for that, Scotty. Uh, and appreciate your analysis on a lot of this stuff, of course. But I bring that up uh, because of this week's you know interesting matchup uh, with you know Servite Santa Margarita. Maybe that's one of the factors to watch in that game, where you know here's a Santa Margarita secondary that's uh, you know impressed the first two weeks, and they're playing with a you know up and coming quarterback. Castelli's not. Uh, he's doing a good job. He hasn't thrown an interception in his first two Trinity League games as a first-year starting sophomore. So he's making strides after that tough Mission Viejo game. So that's uh, that receiving group from Santa Margarita. Definitely, I have my eyes on them uh, for this week's game against um, Servite. And then I want to throw out a couple of stats that, you know, definitely to take stock here um, of what Bryce Young has done. You know, he's completing now 77% of his passes He's 97 of 126 for 1,700 yards, and he's completing 77%. That is that is a high, high rate. Um, and then 21 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So, give you a little perspective. There was a there was a, a high school, a certain high. You know, I remember a, a respected high school coach told me back in the day, um, and this is probably before the uh, the the popularity of the spread offense. But he told me if you can complete. High school quarterback, if you're completing 65 to 67 percent of your passes, that's outstanding. You're you're you are you're top notch. That's you know that is that is really hitting a good mark. That's kind of a that was a standard. Think about when you're watching quarterbacks, 65, 67 percent. Bryce is at 77. The guy's playing off the charts there. Sky, let's look into our last game. Uh, you know, get our grades and uh, review, and that of course would be the uh, Jay Sarah game. Uh, forty-nine to six over Servite. What did you have? Players of the game and uh, grades. So, um, uh, Jay Sarah gets an A on offense, A on defense. Uh, Servite, I gave them a D on offense, D on on defense. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't very. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't nice. So, um, offensively, uh, Kaden Bell, I, yeah. I gave him the offensive player of the game, fourteen to sixteen, the two sixty-six, five touchdowns. Defensive player of the game, I went with the Victor Clanton. He had a sack. Um, he hurried McKibben multiple times, and he had two sacks, uh, two tackles for loss. And then, you know, offensive player of the game for Survey, I, I couldn't find anyone other than Andrew Abiru who caught that touchdown All at right. the last play of the game. Um, he was kind of a nice, you know, slid, slid hit the pylon. Jay Sarah was kind of claiming he didn't get in <laughs> bounds, but the referee gave it to him, but it was still a nice sliding catch. Um, Defensive player of the game, I can't go with anybody, but I will say this, that Servite did have two newcomers playing on defense, sophomore Jacob Blandenberg and uh, modern-day uh, modern transfer junior Luca De La Salante, who was playing linebacker. They seemed to be pretty active. Um, I noticed they were in amongst a lot of tackles or they were near the ball, but I couldn't see anybody who really did anything that you know, warranted a uh, you know an actual player of the game. So all right, we'll leave it blank. But we'll uh, thanks for mentioning those two up and comers, and I think that will be a theme. Yeah, you know, for, get these guys some experience. That I'm sure the Friars are looking at um, their first year with Troy Thomas, looking to get guys experience, build for the future, better days ahead. Uh, you know, for the Friars, and obviously have a coach who knows how to win. Has been very successful in the training league. And, uh, you know, like I said, those lower levels have been good. Speaking of the, uh, the lower levels, uh, let's, um, we'll, we'll take the winners last week at the freshman level, which we've been following pretty good. So this will be your, your freshman, 
uh, report here, a lower-level report on the Trinity League football podcast. Uh, the winners uh, all were pretty decisively uh, uh, clear with their uh, victories last week. Modern Day pretty handily uh, rolled against Santa Margarita, which uh, improves uh, the Modern Day freshman to 2-0, the Santa Margarita freshman 0-2. Servite freshmen bounced back from their showdown loss to Modern Day, took care of business against Jay Sarah. Uh, pretty convincingly, um, that even the uh, Friars record at one and one, and then St. John Bosco went to two and zero by handling Orange Lutheran, which suffered their first loss. So this week's game at the freshman level could be uh, for maybe the freshman league title. Modern Day taking on St. John Bosco. Any uh, thoughts on any of this, Scotty? Um, yeah, that's basically you probably you pretty much said it all right there. It's probably going to be for the uh, freshman league title. Um, It'll be interesting to see. Um, I think this was a Thursday game. I'm trying to get a time on it. Uh, I think it's 3.15, but um, sometimes they play them later in the evening when they're bigger games. Uh, you know, like I said, Bosco's kind of has, you know, they're solid, a solid unit. And, you know, they've been scoring and scoring quick and often. Um, and, you know, modern day's got that trio of freshmen that have been kind of been playing up and down. Um, so we'll see if those guys, how much – if any, they will play um, in this one. So that's something to keep an eye on. All right. Well, thanks again for everybody sticking with us here on the Trinity League Football Podcast. Now it's start to look at these games for Week 8, all coming up on either one game on Thursday, which we'll start with, and then everything the two other games on October 12th on Friday. So let's start with that Thursday game. I think it's sneaky good. It's going to be real important. Santa Margarita playing host to Servite at Tribuca Hills on Thursday, 7 o'clock kickoff. So Santa Margarita usually plays at Saddleback College, which is uh, renovating their stadium. Uh, and I believe this is actually going to be the case for next year as well. Um, so, or, or maybe it will be open next year. This has been about two years they've been away. Um, the Eagles have uh, from Saddleback College. So this is why they're playing at Tribuco Hills. This is where they've been playing the last couple of years. So this is a big game. Uh Santa Margarita 0-2 in league, Servite 0-2 in league. But because of those recent, uh, some recent developments uh, that happened just today on Monday, like we were saying, so Mission Viejo, another Division I team, forfeited today because they had an ineligible player for their first four victories of the season, which included a victory over Santa Margarita. Um, so that is something that's, you know, definitely going to, um, you know, to, you know, could be a factor uh, as the Division One bracket kind of comes to, uh, you know, fruition here later in just a couple weeks, so what I think, and then watching, you know, I've started to look at how the rest of Division One is looking, how some of the teams are looking, um, and we're going to break it down more. But you know, there's a couple teams that aren't uh, really impressing so far, a couple teams that are sl- uh, sliding, you know. And Scotty and I talked uh, off air before we we started our show tonight. Scotty mentioned how Sarah looks like they're sliding quickly in the Mission League. Rancho Cucamonga hasn't um, terribly impressed. Um, Servite's got a victory over Norco, which um, I believe beat Rancho Cucamonga. Um, Valencia is not uh, at the top of their league right now, though. Though they're, uh, you know, they're a Division One, the one Division team, Division One team in their league, which has teams like West Ranch. Um, you know, um, in that league. So there's, you know, 
all along in the Trinity League, I was saying that I thought only the top four would make it. And that was going to make, you know, the fifth and sixth teams wouldn't have a shot to get out larges in the, uh, in the eight in the 16 team bracket, uh, taking from a field of 18. But there's a few other teams that aren't, are struggling. And then when you throw in this Mission Viejo situation with the, the forfeitures, which it's, it's, who knows how that's going to affect the rankings, um, how that's all going to play out. Um, it's it's a little bit different because it's so late in the season, and there is some Division One overlap. The modern day forfeit against Bishop Amont was the first game of the year, and then modern day was able to flip the script and dominate and and get his season back on track, and that didn't affect their really affect their rankings right now. So um, this is a, a huge game. I think both teams have to look at this as a this Santa Margarita Servite game. The winner of this game could be headed toward fifth place and could at, in a few weeks get the at-large berth in the Division One playoffs, and the loser might not make the playoffs. Um, that's how important I, I think this game is in light of some of the uh, the events of the, the, the Mission Viejo forfeitures. Um, but what's what's your take on this game, Scotty? I mean, you're, you're spot on, Dan, because I think the, the loser of this one is probably on the outs uh, looking in. Uh, for the playoff berth, um, you know this game gets that proverbial. You don't want to go zero and three in league, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know this should favor Santa Margarita with their offensive power, their passing game versus the Servite secondary. You know, can Servite move the ball enough on this Eagle defense, which has given up forty six points in its last three games? I, I know we had mentioned that Olu is now has now uh, the. T- uh, the lowest rated defense as far as giving up points, but Santa Margarita has given up 46 in their last three. So something's got to give, you know, you know, survive, get their offensive, you know, get some points on the board or, or, you know, does, you know, Santa Margarita, you know, bring that total back down. But, you know, I think it's and crew is going to put up some good numbers and uh, I think they win this one um, pretty uh, handily. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking uh, Santa Margarita to win this game as well. Um, one second here. Sorry about that. The Max Preps got me again. But um, uh, <laughs> sorry, Scotty. But I was um, and our listeners. But um, you know, I I I wonder about uh, if a few things. You know, some of these out of control games and these tough uh, schedule to begin the training league, um, and, and the importance of this game. I wonder if the coaches have uh, perhaps seen this. You know, it has I wonder if has Servite maybe, you know, having the tough opener against Modern Day, going down to J. Sarah, have they been holding anything back? Will they unveil anything new? Um, can they get that offense all of a sudden going because they've been gearing toward this one game? Coaches have been known to do that. Teams have been known to do that, especially in the tough Trinity League. You never know if they're, they're waiting to pounce on this uh, Thursday night game. You know, could Jake Thomas be back, you know, on the flip side for uh, Santa Margarita? Um, and you know, really give you know their offensive spark. They they were playing modern day uh, last week. Supposedly he had a bruised uh, shin, and that was the last update. If you're this, if you're Coach Fisher, why put him out there against modern day? And if you know it's going to be a rough game, um, and you got this huge game against Servite, save him, bring him back. Um, that's just going to help that offense get um, 
more uh, more high powered. So those are a couple of things. I don't. Do you buy any of those theories? That's you know maybe that uh, the team that wins this could look like that they've been waiting to wait uh, waiting uh, in wait to get this uh, victory. Um, I think it's just the where it falls on the schedule. Um, you know, Servite is. You know, they just don't have the talent offensive wise. They just don't have the guys that are gonna. You know, they're trying to play and run with. Um, um, who is it? Uh, Jer- Jeff, Jeremiah Utuulu right. running back, and I mean he's a load to bring down. But it, you know that's not going to break. You know that's that's you know a short yardage guy trying to be your offensive threat. They're you know, um, you know they don't have the guy. You know they're trying to. You can see they're obviously trying to play Craig Fuller and Noah Avenger trying to get some athleticism at receiver. I'm not sure what happened with centers. Um, you know, I think he played a lot more defense, but he seemed to be like their big playmaker on special teams. But I don't. It's just you know, like I said, they're they're a bunch of sophomores and and juniors, and they're just not they're just they're not there yet. And um, you know, they're they're just struggling trying to, to get anything in in the you know, offensive category. Now their defense is is actually a little bit they're a little bit they have a little bit more fight to them. They you know they don't kind of back down. We saw that in the modern day game. Um, Jay Sarah did kind of abuse him a bit in that secondary. So that, you know, it's, it's going to be make a good play, give up a good play, you know, but that's the growing pains that they take. Um, you know, Eagles, uh, like I you know, they're, they're on trying to bounce back from, um, you know, modern days, uh, loss and, you know, trying to shuffle the deck on their defensive side, you know, offensively, they have a little bit more to work with. Um, you know, yeah, that makes sense with Jake Thomas. You know, if he's kind of so-so, why get him banged up in the modern day game? Um, and uh, then you know, just you know, <laughs> cap, excuse me, capitalize on the, you know, on their their um, receiving core because they kind of other than the modern day game, they've kind of pretty much had their way yeah. with everybody else. So, yeah, I think that's you know they have the firepower. That Servite just doesn't have to keep up, uh, so I, that's why I'm picking uh, Santa Margarita because they have the offense, um, offensive firepower. So that's that Thursday game again at seven uh, seven o'clock at Tribuca Hills, Santa Margarita against Servite. I think there's a lot on the line, and uh, everyone should tune into that game and, and watch that. And like I said, Scotty and I will start to break down Division One, but there's 18 teams in that available for a 16 team bracket. So two, only two teams have to be eliminated in Division One, And I think there's some other teams that are in some trouble. I think Santa Margarita's, uh, you know, getting some help. So let's talk about Orange Lutheran and Jay Sarah. This is another game with huge uh, ramifications for a lot of reasons. And this game is on Friday, October 12th, and it is at Jay Sarah, 7 o'clock kickoff. So both these teams, 1-1 one one in league. Jay Sarah, 1-1, one one, Orange Lutheran, 1-1. One so why it's huge is, you know, for the Eagles, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, for the Lions. So next week, if they can win this game, they, you know, they're still in contention for a share of the league title or, you know, even second place. They could land them third place, help them. They're, they're ranked fifth in Division One right now. Um, or no, I think they're sixth in Division One. So they're highly ranked. They're playing for a lot. They're sixth. But they're, the, the team is fifth is Mission Via, who's got this forfeit uh, situation and then it goes to Oaks Christian, and you know if with Jay Sarah, I think they're playing for for a ton. 
because um, if the higher that they can um, play, uh, finish in the Trinity League, who knows how high they can climb up um, in league. Next week, Jay Sarah plays modern day. What if Orange? What if the Lions take care of business against Lutheran, and then play uh, modern day super close? And who knows how they? How maybe they could climb? They could pass Mission Viejo, who's got suddenly got these uh, forfeitures. I mean, they have to separate these league teams, but the Lions have already played St. John Bosco um, close. But you know, who knows? Maybe even Bosco could drop Scotty, where you know maybe they get blown out by. Um, modern day, and then they struggle down the stretch, and you know this division one bracket could get really interesting. And Jay Sarah's definitely needs that win to, uh, you know, on Friday against Orange Lutheran to keep in the mix. And the Lancers, you know, this is another pride game. Um, that, like you said, they're they're injured, they have a lot of injuries, but they're also trying to, you know, stay in contention as high as they can in the in the league. They they I think they're playoff bound. So they have to play for their uh, their playoff uh, stock as much as possible. Maybe they can, you know, they can get third with a victory like this and have that tiebreaker over Jay Sarah. Maybe they can get higher. Um, they still have a, a Week Ten game with Modern Day. There's a lot for Orange Lutheran to um, to play for. But what's your take on on this game, Scotty? Because I think it's very significant as well. Yeah, it's, um, you know, after what transpired last week at Olu, you know, the question is, can the Lancers bounce back? <laughs> Excuse you. And regroup against a surging Jay Sarah. Um, you know, last season, the Lions took it to the Lancers with a 52-21 to victory, and they picked off Halinski twice, and they sacked them six times. And, um, you know, Tarek Luckett had his way with the Lancers secondary. He had caught six balls for 146 yards. You know, and the Lions are more explosive um, this year, and uh, the Lancers seem to be reeling defensively. So, um, you know, we don't know if the injured are going to come back this week or not. Um, you know, and Jay Sarah, you know, just, you know, has, I think, is going to have too much for the Lancers. Um, you know, Olu would have to play that perfect game without these mental breakdowns. I don't know if it's too much to ask, um, but uh, I, I, you know, I see Jay Sarah, you know, getting by. Um, possibly three scores in this one. Yeah, I'm also picking uh, Jay Sarah to win this game. You know, it'll be interesting. You know, next week, looking ahead a little bit for for the Lancers, they uh, hit the they head to Cerritos College and take on Servite. Potentially, if our if our predictions are right, you know, Servite will be 0 and three uh, going to that game. That's and that was actually you know historically that was always a great rivalry, and I'm sure it still is. Orange Lutheran Servite. A lot of good history of great Trinity League games, those two. Uh, and then, you know, Orange Lutheran ends with with uh, Modern Day at Orange Coast College. So, yeah, if Jay Sarah wins this, I you know, I really like that Week 9 game uh, between Jay Sarah home against Modern Day, um, who will be coming off in a, in a pretty emotional game um, against, uh, you know, St. John Bosco. But like you pointed out, Scotty, you know, modern day's been in this spot before with the Lancers. I mean, with the uh, the Lions just last season, and they've been okay. But I still think this is a uh, improved and bettered uh, Jay Sarah team. Where who knows? I mean, um, they get this Orange Lutheran game. They feel good about themselves going into modern day, um, thinking that they can win, and then they uh, end the season against Santa Margarita, who beat them last year. I mean, there's got to be somebody down there at Jay Sarah thinking. 
we can run the table. We can get a share of the league title, maybe. I mean, obviously, we got to be Lutheran and, and somehow be modern day, and then we're going to get revenge against the Eagles. But, you know, the Trinity can get uh, kind of crazy. But is that just too wild? you think maybe nobody's thinking that, Scotty? No, I, I know Jay Sarah's thinking that. Um, and it, it's... I know, and you're just, you know, it has been, that's what the MO has been in the training league. It's been craziness. It's, it's you know, it's kind of gone the way we've we've thought, but there's been some sidebars, um, some interesting, you know, scores, um, and that's kind of made it made it interesting. I, you know, there hasn't been that, that upset win just yet, but, you know, who knows? It could be looming out there. Um but but I, I know I know Jay Sarah you know when you when I hear and uh, talk and hear the scuttlebutt amongst the Jay Sarah crowd you know they're just as as uh, strong and have just as much confidence as as anybody else that right. they'd be able to be right there in the Trinity League title hunt so right like a wild scenario could be Bosco upsets Modern Day this week and that's Modern Day's one loss. Well then, if then, you know, then uh, Jay Sarah. I mean, if they beat Modern Day, that'd be two losses. That would be crazy. And then you'd have a co-champion uh, between um, Jay Sarah and uh, Bosco. That would be uh, pretty wild. Both teams four and one. Yeah, I, I mean that's. I think that's <laughs> far fetched. But uh, you know, it, it, it may be a little craziness. But I don't know if it's going to be that crazy. <laughs> Who nobody would have had that uh, at the beginning of the year. So, um, all right. So now the big game this week is going to be on Friday, um, October twelfth at Santa Ana Stadium once again, seven thirty kickoff between St. John Bosco and Modern Day. And the reason Scotty's saying that's you know obviously crazy because hey we're talking about Modern Day, um, ranked number one in the nation by uh, Max Preps and High School Football America among others because. You know, they impressed against IMG in that showdown. They went on the road, took on Bishop Gorman, impressed in that one, 42-0. They passed big tests, small tests, and their battle tested Bosco, number two in the nation by uh, Max Preps. Uh, they're number four in, in the nation by High School America. Um, Modern Day has won 22 consecutive games on the field since they lost, uh, since they last lost to St. John Bosco in the 2016 um, CIF Division One Final at Angel Stadium. The Monarchs also beat the Braves twice last year en route to their national title and, and Division One title and, and their second straight Trinity League title. And don't look now, but the Monarchs have also won 13 consecutive Trinity League games since a late 2015 loss against that team I was just hyping up, Jay Sarah. So, um... That's maybe another reason why Jay Sarah's thinking, hey, we just beat them a couple years ago. We can do it again. But Bosco brings in a ton of talent. DJ, top-rated quarterback in the nation for the class of uh, 2020 by 24-7 sports. Thrown for 23 touchdowns. Super athletic. The matchup of the, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on the Trinity League football podcast. Scotty's brought it up. The strength of Bosco's team. What's going to be the difference with modern day? How about that offensive line? They won the Mission Viejo lineman competition. They, uh, you know, they they've been trained under you know former strength guru there, Chad Johnson, now the Mission Viejo coach. Um, they got George Halani, who recently committed to 
Boise State. Halani's uh, rushed for over 500 yards, 10 TDs through just the first five games. Chris Hudson, like we said, USC committed um, wide receiver. And then, but then the modern day, hey, they, they're loaded. They pass their test. They play a much tougher schedule. They've been more battle tested, more impressive. Bryce Young, 21 TDs, only three interceptions. Maybe he has an argument that he's the best junior quarterback in the country. He's committed to USC. Who's going to handle Brew McCoy, who's nobody's really stopped? 35 catches on the year for 678 yards, nine TDs. He also has five tackle, uh, five sacks. Elias Ricks, hey, you know, DJ's a great quarterback. He's got some talented receiver, but that secondary is problematic for just about everyone. When you when you have Elias Ricks and all those uh all the depth and skill there. Um and then, you know, they're then they still are true to that running game where Shakobi Harper, Sean Dollars, you know Modern Day is gonna be physical. They have something to answer George Lani. Both these teams bring in a lot, Scotty. They're one and two for nation in the nation for a reason. I think San Diego Bowl is going to be packed. I don't know if it's going to hit eleven thousand or ten thousand like it did against um, IMG, but this is a huge game in SoCal, and I know a lot of people want to be there. Yeah, you know this one's kind of turned into that new era rivalry. I mean, I know there's the Servite rivalry, um, but I think you know in recent years this has actually probably been, you know bigger just for the sense of the stakes involved um you know and it's been modern day taking that leg you know the last two on bosco and um you know we certainly talked about you know the strength of schedules you know and the battle tested games and um you know i know bosco didn't get their test until league and um these last two games have actually been closer than what everyone initially thought and you know modern day's played their toughest game um with its uh, battle with IMG, you know, on paper, you know, this one's even, but within the last two weeks, Bosco has actually showed some areas that it may not be as dominant with the uh, teams kind of scoring and, and kind of moving the ball on Bosco. Um, you know, and, and Jay center actually you know, kind of showed that, you know, you can contain and, and, you know, um, bother DJ with uh, some of the, the rush and uh, coverages, you know, in, in modern day side, you know, they haven't shown as many, um, but they have the one area I think Bosco is going to try to exploit, and that's running it right at modern day and its backers, you know, and then, you know, utilizing DJ's strong arm and kind of hit those short routes, intermediate slants, which they had a lot of success with against Olu. But um, I think modern day has that blueprint on attack Bosco and DJ. Um, they've done it the last two games. Um, so we'll see if, if modern day adds any new wrinkles or. Um, if Bosco, you know, counters back with that, you know, it's these matchups within the game that everybody loves, you know, but it's going to be a matter of how well modern day can stop Bosco's running game. Um, you know, other than IMG, no one's slowed down the Monarchs offensive, um, offensive game. IMG contained the running game, but, uh, modern day was still be able to pass with Bryce Young's ability to move and make plays when the, when they break down, you know, it's tough for any defense. You know, and uh, like I said, Olu and Jay Sarah kind of were more successful throwing on Bosco than uh, we first uh, thought they would. And it was said earlier, and you just mentioned this earlier, and so I'm I'm I'm, I'm tagging you in in, in this uh, conversation. You know, it was said that you know how dominant Bosco's offense and defensive lines you know were going into the season, but these last two games, I haven't seen anything seen the dominance that they're supposed to have from this group. And don't get me wrong, they're still good, 
but they haven't shown that same play as the write-ups and the social media postings that's made them out to be. So that's just something to, you know, to keep an eye on. Um, you know, but what players and what playmakers, you know, are going to show up to this one? You know, who's going to take over? You know, that's what it's going to come down to. And then keep this in mind. No one on Bosco's team, no, you know, anyone who's a sophomore, junior, and senior have beaten modern day at all on any freshman or varsity level. So, and then the flip side is modern day kids, none of them have lost to Bosco. So that's kind of just an interesting type tidbit. Um, but I see the trend continue, and I think modern day is going to win this one. Yeah. Um, you know, you should, uh, and I'll give my prediction here momentarily, but you know, if, if you could imagine you're with the, if we all can imagine here on the Trinity League football podcast and we're watching film and breaking down modern day with the, uh, the Bosco coaching staff with, you know, you know, outstanding coach Jason Negro and all his fine assistants. And you watch that IMG game and they're probably saying that IMG should have, just like we said after the game, they should have run the ball more. They probably could have won. It was working so well. It was open. It was, they were gashing yards from the very beginning and they derailed it by passing too much. And, um, and maybe they panicked a little bit. So, I could definitely see that that's that's one thing that stands out um, for Bosco. But maybe they try to, um, and, and then they have to counter that. Maybe DJ's going to get loose a little bit more, and they're going to uh, have have him run a little bit. Um, they're going to get some help for Holani. Savage has run the ball pretty well. At least I know he did against Jay Sarah. Maybe DJ gets going. Um, you know, they try to keep that modern day, um, offense off off the field too. That's another big thing. Is if they can run it, then they can keep that explosive offense off the field um, and try to keep this into a fourth quarter game. You buy any of that, Scotty? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Um, you know, going back to that, you know, if if IMG would have ran the ball, um, I think they, you know, the outcome could have been differently. Um, if if you know Bosco. If the, if the game's close and Bosco, you know, has, you know, their running game going, that's going to totally, I think, be it, be, be the difference, you know, could be the difference in the, in the game. Um, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see who bends first or who breaks first, whether or not, you know, you know, do, does the running game, do you, do you be patient enough to stick with the running game? Because that's a lot of these teams against modern day, they have not been patient and stayed with the running game. Right. Um, if you look, you know, uh, Amat from from the Mont game. If you look at it, um, uh, there's another game. I'm, I'm, um, there's two other games, and even we, even with the um, and then you know, of course, the IMG game. But but I think there's been a couple other games where teams actually had success, kind of you know, nickel and diming. But then they get so far behind that you can't go to the you can't keep to the run, and it takes you out of your ball game. Right. That and. Uh, so I, I, you know, that's something to, 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 to keep an eye on. If, if modern day, you know, jumps out, does Bosco stay patient and try to, you know, or do they just try to wing it and, and, and play catch up, you know, and then likewise with modern day, you know, whether or not, you know, they try to run them, you know, it's, it's just a cat and mouse game. You know, um, that's what's, what I love about this is that we, we can sit here and talk and break down as much as we want, but, you know, come Friday night, you know, these are high school kids and, Anything yeah, can happen. Absolutely. I think you might be thinking about how Gorman at the beginning did do some nickel and dime. And they, it, yes. and they tried to run it. And as you recall, that game uh, had a chance to be uh, 
very close at halftime, but it was a big fourth down stop um, uh, deep in their end zone um, as Gorman went for a touchdown play, a trick play coming out of a, a timeout or two. And I think that game went 14 nothing at halftime modern day, and then they exploded in that third quarter in the, in the second half. But if, if Gorman could have scored that, yeah, I think it could have been a touchdown game at half. So I think that's another thing that I think Bosco will really look at the first half of Gorman and what Gorman did well. Of course, Modern Day came out slow in that game. There, you know, as for all they they did, uh, they did have uh, had some early turnover problems in that game, if I recall. So, but I, I am picking Modern Day. But I'm interested to see, um, you know, a few things. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to enjoy seeing these two teams compete because it's a different intensity. Like you said, this is the uh, the new age rivalry. Modern day Bosco just brings out uh, a, a total uh, intensity that you won't see. So that's that's something the fun it's going to be. It's not it's not West Coast East Coast like um, that feel with modern day IMG. This is for SoCal. This is for Trinity League. Um, but this is also most likely you know the ramifications of this team of this game. Everyone will say. The winner of this game is probably going to win the Trinity League, and they're going to be ranked number one. They'll be the top seed in the Division One playoffs. The loser of this game will get second in the Trinity League, and they'll be the second seed in Division One playoffs, and they'll be relegated to play Centennial, for example, Conroano probably, in the semis. That's what they'll say that this game basically means. The winner is the number one seed. Don't listen to Albano about this Jay Sarah game meaning anything. For if it's if Modern Day wins, they're gonna win. They're gonna be number one seed. Bosco's already beat Jay Sarah, so if they win, well, let's yeah. What does Bosco have left? Um, you know their their schedule. They have Santa Margarita um, at Tribuco Hills, and they play Servite. So they after this game, they have the two winless teams so far. They won't be winless when they get there. But Bosco has to think this is everything on the table for right now. We got Santa Margarita and Servite next. Servite week 10. I think that in some ways, I think that, you know, in, but I mean, I'm sure Modern Day thinks that we can beat Jay Sarah. Um, so we're, it's all, we're all in as well. But I think it is a little interesting schedule what Bosco has remaining compared to what Modern Day has remaining. You know, because, you know, Modern Day still has to seal, you know, Ryan Helensky. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on that, Scotty? Yeah, well, early in the year when I saw the schedule, I said that, yeah, that's a gauntlet that, that modern day has to, they have to finish up with, you know, Bosco, J. Sarah, and Olu. And it's, you know, it's seeming, you know, and it's a flip side because Bosco, you know, modern day went through Servite and Santa Margarita early. And, you know, and I've heard some people say, oh, well, modern day has played, you know, two, you know, haven't played, you know, you know, two dominant games or two, I guess you'd say battle tested games and Bosco just came off of two battle tested games, so to speak. Well, but I don't, I, I don't play, put any of that. They actually were, you know, Bosco was battle tested. And then I think modern day was battle tested with that, you know, with the IMG game, even if, even if it did happen, you know, down the road, I think, you know, modern day has, has dominated everybody. Even, you know, there haven't been really any hiccups, to see or any weaknesses other than maybe just, you know, and we're nitpicking, you know, the, the, you know, their, um, run defense, you know, and that's all we can really, 
because we've seen teams, you know, kind of like run run on them or be somewhat successful, and that's all we're, you know, gauging it by. Um, you know, having Bosco playing those last two games, you know, going against Servite in, in, in Santa Margarita, you know, you get by this this one, that's great because then you get you can kind of like uh, either get healthy or you, I, you know I'm pretty assuming those two games are going to be you know running clock games or, or games yeah. where you can try to get healthy and get guys in and out um, you know you know when it comes playoff time you know modern days like we said with Olu, you know Olu I think that one in the beginning of the season was shaping up to be more of a battle than Jay Sarah and now it's actually flipped it's yeah. Jay Sarah is now that, that going to be the, the, the top game and, and Olu is just, just trying to stay afloat so yeah you know and I, I think you know I don't think I, I think the two backs at IMG that they that the, they gave the Monarchs I think they're both better than Halani um, so that's one thing that those guys those guys were I mean you got to give a lot of credit um, to how outstanding those two IMG backs were and they were just beasts and I don't think anybody could have done much better than what what uh than what Modern Day did to slow those guys. Those guys were scary. Um so I think that will be a uh, one thing to uh to uh, factor. But I I think it's going to be it's going to be a great game. It should be a great atmosphere. Um it's going to be live on uh, Prime Ticket uh on uh on Fox uh we're on the Fox Sports Go uh app and there'll be a lot of ways to follow it. I I'm hearing that it might also be on AM 8:30, but that's not uh, confirmed. So it's there's going to be radio, and um, but I think just like with the IMG game, there'll be people that wanted to see this in person and feel that um, enthusiasm and that um, that rivalry, that SoCal rivalry. So yeah, it'll be prime ticket live, Fox Sports Go, Fox Sports apps for the streaming, and uh, perhaps some um, some radio. So stay tuned to my uh, Twitter account OC Varsity for any more updates on. On the coverage, of course, the Tree League Football Podcast will be in the house at Santa Ana Stadium on Friday night. Uh, so I know you're looking forward to it, Scotty, and so am I. Yeah, Dan, it's it, this one's always a uh, a barn burner. Um, I mean, I think last year the, the championship game started, and then it kind of got out of hand towards the end. But um, from a you know from a <clears throat> a a um, fan standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think this one's going to be, have all those, those same makings. All righty. Well, Scotty, great job. Uh, as always tonight, man, it was great talking to you and they uh, certainly gave me some things to break down and some, uh, some, th- things to review. And I'm, I'm sure you did that for all our listeners as well. So Scotty, thanks a lot and good, uh, good job. Oh, as always, Dan, um, I'm glad to do it and I have fun doing it. So <laughs> Alrighty. Well, for Scott Barajas, I'm Dan Albano, and thanks for uh, listening to us on the Trina League Football Podcast.